Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nyberg. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 9.45 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nyberg. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, we read the writer to the Hebrews summary of what took place in Joshua chapter 6. He says, by faith, don't miss that, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, these walls of Jericho that protected the city collapsed, fell down flat, and the children of Israel came in and took over the city. Now, 40 years before this took place, when the children of Israel were getting ready to enter, enter the promised land, they sent 12 spies and the 12 spies came back 40 days later and they said that um, Jericho indeed was, or the promised land was indeed a land of plenty, but their Numbers 13:28 says, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And they were afraid to enter into the promised land. And because of that, they were sentenced to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they would be allowed to enter the promised land. Now, the first city that they would come across would be the city of Jericho. And remember, they said it was walled and very great. Now, I have read from archaeological statements, an archaeological dig, that the walls were 35 to 40 feet high. And you can imagine how uh, that would have been overwhelming to them. How are we going to scale a wall like that with people on top and they can keep us from entering into the city? Jericho, as I said, was the first city. And this story actually begins in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kingdoms of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before the children of Israel until they were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Now, in Jericho, they heard that God had parted the waters of the River Jordan, and probably two million people marched through, and they were now encamped. And Jericho was only about two miles from the place where they entered. Now, 
In this chapter, we read where circumcision was reinstituted, the Passover was reinstituted. It hadn't been observed in the 40 years in the wilderness, neither had circumcision, and the manna ceased. They were now to eat of the food of the land. And in verse 13 of chapter 5, now remember this is before the conquest of Jericho, and it came to pass when Joshua was, was by Jericho. Now, I think at this time he was alone. He knew he was commanded to take the city, and he looked at the walls, and he thought, what can I do? Now, during this time, the harvest had already been, so they had plenty of food stockpiled in Jericho. And Jericho had a spring within it. So Joshua knew that he couldn't stop the water. He couldn't starve them out. They had plenty of supplies, and he didn't know what to do. He looked at this wall that is so high, I guess about as high as a four-story building, and he thought, what am I to do? And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. Now, at this time, Joshua did not yet know who this was. But he must have been a very imposing figure, this man with his sword drawn in his hand that made Joshua think, whoever side he is on, that's the side that's going to win. If he's on Jericho's side, Jericho's going to win. If he's on our side, we're going to win. So Joshua comes up to this man, and Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Are you on their side or are you on our side? Now, like I said, he saw something in this man that he knew whoever side he was on, that's the side who would win. Now, let's listen to the reply of this man with the drawn sword. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14. And he said, Nay. Neither. Whose side are you on? Neither. I don't take sides. But as the captain or the prince of the host of the Lord, am I now come? I don't take sides. I'm the Lord. <laughs> he doesn't take sides. I love that. He is the side. He doesn't take sides. Uh, is he for the conservatives or the, the liberals? Is he for the... Uh, right-wingers or left-wingers? Is he for the religious? or He doesn't take sides. He's the Lord. I have read uh, where some people came up to Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War, and they said to the president, do you think the Lord is on our side or the side of our adversaries? And Lincoln replied, I don't know, but I sure hope we're on his side. That is the issue. I want to be on his side. He says, I'm neither. I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. The Lord doesn't take sides. He's the God of glory. He has no rivals. He has no reason to take a side. He is the God of glory, the uncreated son of God. Now listen to how he responded to Joshua. 
He said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. Now, if I ever see who the Lord is, I'm going to hit the dirt and I'm going to worship. That is what Joshua did. Now, this thing of worship is going to have to be settled before anything else is settled. He's the Lord and he's to be worshiped. Joshua did not know whose side he was on, but he's to be worshiped because of who he is. Now, you will only worship an absolute sovereign God. You'll only worship a Christ where you're in his hand and he can do with you whatever he's pleased to do. When you see that, there's only one thing to do. Fall down on your face and worship. And that's what Joshua did at this time. And look what he said. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Now, when you see who the Lord is, you're not going to be speaking to him. You're going to want to hear what he says to you. Now, that's got to be my attitude toward the Word of God. I don't come to the Word of God to prove what I believe. I come to the Word to find out what to believe. Now, that's how he came. He didn't come saying, here's what I want you to do. He said, what do you have to say to me? I hope that's my prayer. Not all the things. You know what the Lord says to me is infinitely more important than what I have to say to him. And this is what Joshua wanted to know. What saith the Lord to his servant? Verse 15, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, It was the same thing he said to Moses. Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. Now, perhaps you remember in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses saw that bush that could not be consumed. It was on fire and it was not consumed. Maybe he saw it and thought lightning struck, struck it and didn't think much about it. But then he looked at it a couple hours later and it was still burning. And maybe 24 hours the next day, it wasn't consumed. And he went to see that great sight of the bush that burned and could not be consumed. Now, from that bush, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to him. And he said, take off thy shoes off thy feet. The place thou standest is holy ground. Now think of this bush on fire and not consumed. The fire did not need the energy from the wood to keep it going. That lets us know of the independence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God. He has no needs. The fire could not consume that bush. He's perfect humanity. The wrath of God did not consume him. He consumed the wrath. That's why he was raised from the dead. God said, there's no fury in me. What a beautiful picture we have of the Lord Jesus Christ and that bush that burned and could not be consumed. And from the bush, the Lord Jesus said to Moses, Take your shoes off your feet. The place you're standing 
is holy ground. He said the same thing to Joshua. It was holy ground because he was there. Now, verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now, I'm sure the people of Jericho felt safe in that city, 35, 40 feet high. Uh, They'd already had harvest. They had plenty of food. There was a spring within inside the city. Their enemies couldn't cut off their water supply. And I would say they felt fairly safe. They were uh, concerned, no doubt, when they saw this, the children of Israel. But they shut the gate and they felt fairly safe. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thy hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Now, what does the Lord say? And this is the same one with the drawn sword that Joshua was talking about. He said, uh, what do you say to me? Well, here's what he said. I have given you the city. Now, notice he does not say, I will give you the city. He said, I have given you the city. It is already yours. It's already accomplished. Now, when Christ wills something, it's past tense before it takes place because his will is supreme. He didn't say to Joshua, I will give you this city. He said, I have given it. Now, my dear friends, that's the way God's salvation works. It's something already done. Remember the Lord's Lord's words from the cross? It is finished. Not it will be finished. It is finished. Salvation accomplished. This fits right in with for whom the Lord did foreknow, know beforehand. Them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Everybody that Christ represented before time began is already glorified. Somebody says, you don't look very glorified to me. Well, I no, I don't. But I believe I am because the Bible tells me I am. By faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I can't see that I'm glorified. I can't see, see that I stand sinless before God, but I believe I am because he has told me. That's the salvation that's in Christ Jesus. It's already done. Now, don't worry. Don't be anxious. If you're a believer, your salvation has already been accomplished. It is finished. Now, uh, the man with the drawn sword tells Joshua how this city is going to be defeated. He said, you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. This shalt thou do six days, and seven preachers shall, or priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. 
And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight ahead before him. Now, the man with the drawn sword tells Joshua, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march around the city six days. Now, who's going to be the, doing the marching? Well, first, seven priests with ram's horns. And behind them will be the men bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And then the armies of Israel. They're going to march around that city one time for six days with the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is so very important. That's that box about um, two by four, two feet by four feet, two feet high. Uh, it was made out of wood and gold, gold covering the wood, representing the perfect deity and the perfect humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has two natures, absolute deity, absolute Godhead, and just as if he were just as much God as if he were not man at all, and perfect humanity, just as much man as if he were not God at all. The God man, and in this ark there was three things. First, Aaron's rod that budded, a, a staff that had no roots, but yet life came out of it. Christ, our life before God. He said, I am the life. And then there was a pot of manna that came down. I don't know how that manna kept from decaying, but that stayed in the ark. And that lets us know that Christ is our necessary sustenance. We eat and drink off him. He is our necessary food. That's what faith is. That we live by him. And then there was the law, Christ, our righteousness. Now, this was done six days, one time around. And then on the seventh day, they circled the city seven times. And they blew the trumpets with the uh, that were made out of ram's horns. What a shrill sound that must have been. And the people shouted. Now, I try to think of the people in Jericho watching this. I'm sure for six days, they felt very unnerved by all this. Very nervous. What is going on when they saw this army marching around the city without a word and leaving? And then on the seventh day, they march around seven times. The trumpets are blown and the people give a shout and the walls come tumbling down flat. We read in verse 15 of this sixth chapter of Joshua. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after that manner seven times. Only on that day they come compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass that the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Now here we have this again. He doesn't say the Lord will give you the city. He said the Lord hath given you the city. Now, before they shouted, they didn't see that. They didn't see the walls come tumbling down and collapsing. But they believed they would because God said they would. Now, 
The preaching of the gospel is represented by the blowing of the trumpet and the shout. I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, where Paul talks about the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. Of Christ. Now, did you hear that? Every thought is to be subject to the obedience of Christ. You see, the obedience of Christ is the believer's righteousness before God, his perfect obedience. And anything that clouds that issue, in my thinking and your thinking, it's to be torn down. We're to look only to the obedience of Christ as our only righteousness before God. They shouted the shout of victory before the walls came down, before they were flattened. A belief in this victory before it took place. Now, question. This was a lot of people shouting. Did this create such vibration, some kind of sonic boom that caused the wall to collapse? No. It wasn't the shouting that caused the wall to collapse. This was a supernatural miracle of God that caused the wall to collapse. Now, here's the second question. Would the wall have collapsed had they not shouted? The answer to that is no. It would not have collapsed had they not shouted. God said, shout, the Lord has given you the city. What if they said, well, we don't need to shout? They wouldn't have been given the city. You see, this shout represents faith. The shout did not cause the walls to come down. God did. But the walls would not come down without this shout. Faith. Remember, it was by faith that the walls came down. That's what the writer to the Hebrews says. By faith, the walls came down. Now, listen to this real carefully. I want to say, say this carefully. I want to say it right. Strictly speaking, faith doesn't save. Christ does. Faith believes that. Let me repeat that, and I want to illustrate it. Strictly speaking, faith does not save. Christ does. Faith believes that. Now, there's no salvation apart from faith. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There's no salvation apart from faith. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's the words of the Lord. But strictly speaking, it's not my faith that saves me. It's Christ that saves me. Now, it wasn't my faith that stood before God before the foundation of the world as my surety. Christ did. It was not my faith that became incarnate and lived and walked in this world for 33 years and kept God's law perfectly. Christ did. Faith didn't keep the law for me. Jesus Christ kept the law and worked out a perfect righteousness. Faith did not die 
for my sins. Christ did. Faith was not buried in the grave. Christ was. Faith did not rise from the dead. Christ did. Faith is not in heaven right now representing me as my intercessor before God. Christ is. Faith is not coming back for me. Christ is. I'm not going to be conformed to the image of my faith. I'm going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Faith believes that. Faith believes the gospel. Now, if I don't believe the gospel, I don't have any reason to even suspect that God has anything for me but wrath because of my sin. Faith, trusting Jesus Christ alone. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Faith. Now that's the same faith where the Lord said, Go thy way, thy faith has saved thee. Uh, Faith looks to Christ only. Faith is the gift of God's grace. Now the walls came tumbling down by faith. Now, there was someone in this city that was saved. Do you remember how Rahab, uh, Rahab had agreed to take the spies in and hid it in her house, and there was an agreement that you'll be saved uh, because of this? And we read in these um, Joshua chapter 6, But Joshua said unto the two men that spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out hence the woman and all that she hath, as you swear to her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all she had. And they were all kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And then they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwells in Israel even unto this day. Do you know Rahab the harlot would become the great grandmother of David, King David? the man after God's own heart. And she was saved for this one reason, that scarlet line representing the blood of Christ that hung out her window. Now, when the men came to destroy the land, they saw that scarlet rope hanging out the window, representing this is where the blood is. This is where the Lord has promised mercy. And when they came to that part of the city, they brought her and all her loved ones out alive. You see, the Lord did have a people in that city and he saved them. Now, Jericho was utterly destroyed, but there were some people in it that were saved. The people in the house that had the scarlet rope tied all around the window, just like people in the Passover time in the house with the blood over the door, they were spared. By faith, (laughs) by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. May the Lord give you and I this 
faith. Now we have this message on DVD and CD. If you call the church or write, we'll send you a copy and you can also find the message on our website. This is Todd Nybert praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen. To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 